0: Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace, from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a typical pauline epistle here paul writes to the saints from verse 1 and to be a saint in the new testament meant you had already been born again first corinthians 12 ephesians chapter 4 says that by one spirit we have all been baptized into the body of christ that spirit of course is the holy ghost Once you have been baptised into the body of Christ, you are in Christ Jesus. But here, Paul starts his epistle to the saints. Not to Pastor A or Bishop B, but to the saints. There is no one-man ministry in the New Testament. The one-man ministry came after the death of the apostles. It came after the completion of the New Testament, and that is why we need to use the scripture to test everything, including church tradition. Also, from verse 1, Paul mentions bishops, plural, and deacons, plural. For the most part, a bishop is a deacon, and a deacon is a bishop, and in modern terms you would look at this and say this is in reference to elders or even pastors and pastors in and of themselves are fine but when you get into the financial area of the one-man ministry then you are falling into all sorts of problems but like i say this is a typical pauline epistle he starts his epistle to the saints every saved man and woman in the eyes of the Lord, would be considered a saint. 3. I thank my God, upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making request with joy, for your fellowship, in the gospel, from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun, a good work in you, will perform it until the day of jesus christ even as it is meet for me to thinkness of you all because i have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel ye all are partakers of my grace verse 3 my god In Romans he speaks about my gospel. Paul was a Jew. And for hundreds of years the Jews were the people of the true God. My God. My gospel. He was given a special commission from Acts chapter 9. And here he is addressing his epistle to the Gentiles. But look at verse 6. He is confident of this very thing that he, God, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God takes ownership of you the moment you believe on his son. And God and God alone will complete it. He will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's not down to you to assist the lord in your salvation it's down to him to get you to glory all you can do is believe on his son and trust in him to save you eight for god is my record how greatly i long after you all in the bows of jesus christ and this i pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Peter said you are to be holy because God is holy. You are to set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. You are told not to love the things of this world. You are told to renew your mind daily by the reading of the word of God. Here Paul wants you to arrive at the judgment seat of Christ And get a full reward. Never mind the gifts of the spirit. Which the charismatic speak about day and night. How about the fruits of the spirit. And here he wants you to grow in grace. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. To be happy. To be content. To be a fruit bearing Christian. Twelve. But I would ye should understand brethren that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places and many of the brethren in the Lord waxen confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Through Paul's imprisonment, the saints were bold, And this is the mystery of the Lord. You would think that when you put a saved man or woman under pressure, they will buckle, they will fall away, and they will succumb to the temptations of the world. And sometimes that happens. But here, Paul is using his imprisonment. He's using his... Detention as a blessing, because through his incarceration, the saints are becoming bolder. And sometimes this happens. Sometimes you need persecution to bring about maturity. This happened in Russia during the Cold War. It's happening in China even to this day. But here in the West, we are being smothered by ecumenicalism liberalism postmodernism, and all the other isms and bit by bit the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is bearing very little fruit and yet saying that please let me say this that even in 2012 in the United Kingdom people are still getting saved people are still preaching on the streets people are still giving out bible tracts. people are still growing in grace bibles are still being given out people are still able to go onto the highways and onto the byways and preach the gospel and only yesterday i read that one council in the United Kingdom had to apologize to some Christians that had been told they could not give out Christian literature and this council had to apologize because they thought it was illegal to give out tracts and it is not illegal if you live in the UK you can give out tracts you can preach on the streets what you can't do is go onto private property and give out tracts and preach. But if you go onto the streets on any given day in any major city or town and stand on the streets, you can give out tracts. You can preach the gospel. You can get your signs out and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even women can do this, but I don't believe that the New Testament would allow for women to preach the gospel but they can share their testimonies and they can give out tracts but back to philippians paul here has been incarcerated and he's saying that this has given boldness from verse 14 to the saints to many of the brethren to be even more adventurous for the things of the lord amen to that 15 Some, indeed, preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defence of the gospel. This is very interesting, because not only do we find the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats in the new testament but here paul says that some preach the gospel through contention they preach it to be seen they want to have a following and here paul says that they even mean it for harm genesis chapter 50 said that the brothers of joseph meant what they did for evil but god meant it for good so here paul is in as i say detention he is imprisoned and he's saying that some christians and no doubt they were saved even were going about to cause him problems through preaching and yet on the other hand some saved men were doing it through love and here we get back to the area of discernment trying to discern who is a true and faithful And genuine disciple to those that are simply seeking to increase their following. It could be through YouTube, it could be through Facebook, it could be through television or even on the radio. They are simply looking to boost their following and, of course, their income. But uh, by the time we get to 18, Paul says, What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. He says here that Christ is preached and therefore he is happy. Amazing. Can you picture a carnal Christian preaching the gospel even though he or she is backslidden and yet at the same time Paul says that Christ is preached can you imagine an apostate or even an unsaved party preaching the gospel and yet Paul says Christ is preached it's a paradox because in reality the preaching of the cross is bigger than the preacher Christianity is one thing, but Christ is above Christianity. It's the gospel which saves sinners, not the preacher. Yes, we are messengers. Yes, we are postmen. But it's not down to us. We don't change people's hearts. It's the preaching of the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts the sinner of their sin. And then it's down to the recipient to either believe or not to believe but here paul says he rejoices and most of paul's ministry was a hard ministry the lord was a man of sorrows only once in the four gospels does it say that the lord rejoiced and yet this expression rejoice and again i say rejoice is found several times in philippians and the truth of the matter is that when a saved man or woman is really up against it that's when they rejoice even when they are at their absolute lowest they still have that peace deep within them it's a peace which the world doesn't really understand and yet it is always there but because we are still flesh because we are still willing but the flesh is weak we struggle to enjoy that inner peace but it's there it's absolutely there 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation, through your prayer, and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Salvation in 19 doesn't refer to Paul being saved, simply, it refers to him being blessed even more. He's going to enjoy what he's already laid out from the previous verses. And he too, when he gets to the judgment seat of Christ from 20, won't be ashamed. But Christ will be magnified due to the faithful servants of the lord and of course paul said in first corinthians 11 to follow him as he followed christ and also that he was the apostle to the gentiles and as the apostle to the gentiles he too would experience many of their blessings and he would witness at first hand their fruits 21 for to me to live is christ and to die is gain another paradox let's read on 22 but if I live in the flesh this is the fruit of my labor yet what I shall choose I what not for I am in a strait betwixt two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ which is far better nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you selflessness with a capital s he could depart and be with the lord straight away by the way there's no purgatory here but if he remains in the flesh the church are going to benefit even more this is remarkable this man wrote half of the new testament he turned the world upside down yes the keys were given to peter And then vicariously all of the apostles. But this man, Paul, was the greatest apostle that we have ever read about, heard about, and had the privilege of journeying with through their writings. This man was the greatest. 25 And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul was beloved. And once again, this term rejoicing is found. You can know that you are saved. 1 John 5 13 the moment you believe on the lord jesus christ the moment you trust in his death burial and resurrection you can know that you are saved and because you can know you are saved you should be rejoicing you should be enjoying your salvation and here paul says that he wants them to rejoice and have an abundance of happiness have an abundance of peace but to you of salvation and that of God. You shouldn't fear your enemies. Now, of course, saying that, let me say this, that it's sometimes impossible to be out and about doing the Lord's ministry and to have perhaps a panic attack, to have a fit of anxiety, or to even be indifferent The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why we need to pray in the Spirit. Always. Rejoicing is paramount. Reading the Word of God daily. Praying. Reading good books from good brothers and sisters that have gone before us. These things are paramount. But here, 28. Don't be terrified by your enemies because if you are fearful of them first of all you have succumbed you have already lost the battle for peace through your mind but turning this around he says here that don't be terrified by your enemies which if you are able to not fear them is proof that they are going to be destroyed that is amazing but as far as Paul is concerned it is a blessing because it turns to your salvation in other words it shows that you are about your father's business you are in the will of God and again these things don't just happen overnight it comes the time but uh, understanding what Paul is saying understanding that this is a first century epistle And that Paul is in jail. That Paul is struggling. And yet at the same time. He's saying don't worry about these things. You just focus. On what's going on. You keep your eyes. On the bigger picture. 29. For unto you. It is given. In the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him. But also to suffer. For him his sake Paul was told the same thing God said to Paul that you are going to preach to the Gentiles to the nations but that you are also going to suffer for my name's sake and if you go back to Acts chapter 9 you find that it is Jesus Christ that is speaking to Paul Jesus Christ is God God the son the second member of the trinity 30 having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me 30 verses open this short but very rich book and as always paul sets the example paul is the athlete he is the olympian that we seek to follow that we seek to to base our lives upon and we do so because he followed Christ the Lord Jesus Christ is our saviour we trust in him to be saved the word of God is our source which we read daily but when it comes to our every day activity, our life, our existence we look to Paul paul was a human being he was imperfect and yet because he was imperfect the lord chose him the lord gave him an amazing ministry and that's why we are able to read his epistles see how mortal man was saved how mortal man grew in grace how mortal man dealt with some awful levels of affliction hatred bigotry and even indifference and the more we read his epistles the more we are able to grow in grace ourselves chapter 2 verse 1 if there be therefore any consolation in christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit If any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. This goes back to the latter verses from the previous chapter where Paul wants unity. He wants unity in the body of Christ. Now, John 17, the Lord speaks about the apostles being one and they were one through their baptism First Corinthians 12 Ephesians chapter 4 the moment you are saved you are baptised into the body of Christ so positionally every man, woman and child if they have truly believed the gospel are saved and therefore they are one that's our positional standing the Lord looks at saved person A saved person B and saved person C and sees the Lord Jesus Christ because they have believed on him they have trusted in him and they get his imputed righteousness they become sinless as it were in the eyes of the Lord so when judgment comes they are not going to be judged if you go back to the book of Exodus when the Lord is plaguing Egypt and the children of Israel put the blood above the door and the destroyer comes but once he sees the blood over the door he doesn't pass judgment on that house he doesn't kill their firstborn because the blood is a type of jesus's blood and therefore they are safe the same is true of noah noah gets into the ark and he goes through the storm he goes through the floods and he is preserved and that is a picture of jews in the tribulation and also gentiles to some extent that go through the tribulation and are saved at the other end the church of course is raptured pre the tribulation and enoch is a type of the church we are raptured and we never die we go to be with the lord whereas noah as i say is a type of tribulation saint they get saved after the rapture but they are preserved and when the Lord comes back in Matthew 24 going into Matthew 25 all the nations are gathered to him and the sheep which are found in Matthew 25 are those that have been saved during the tribulation and they are blessed and off they go into the thousand year reign just a quick footnote but here Paul wants unity he wants those to be of the same mind that is not easy that is not easy there are many christian groups around the world which are divided on many issues and many points they are still saved for the most part but they are divided on so many areas and paul if he was alive today would say you should all be ashamed of yourselves because for the most part it is carnality which separates many of these groups it's pride it's also laziness it's also a refusal to apply sola scriptura that the scripture is the final authority not feelings not experiences not this program or that program but it is the word of god we are told that god has put his word above his name that's the written word lower case w Jesus is the word of God capital W but in the Psalms it says that God has put his word above his name that's why the reformers quite rightly rediscovered this truth that the scripture and the scripture alone must be our final authority but of course as I keep saying, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's a paradox, but it's a truth, nonetheless, that we have to deal with. We can overcome this weakness, we can be victorious in most areas of our life, but we will never be sinless. We will always have the sin problem, which we read about in the third chapter. Verse 3 from chapter 2 let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves the lord said that he came to serve not to be served he also said to the apostles which of you will be the greatest will be the least again it is a paradox what god wants is for people to humble themselves he gives the law to the proud and he gives grace to the humble wesley once said that if he had one hour with an unsaved party he would spend 50 minutes preaching the law judgment hellfire to that party and the remaining 10 minutes preaching about grace and the cross sometimes that is necessary But sometimes it isn't necessary. Sometimes you will come across a party which is already humble. They've been preached to over the years. And you are the final part of the puzzle. You are the final individual to preach the gospel to that party. But again, Paul here is looking at save people. And he's looking at humility. Lowliness of mind. Verse 4 look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others put others first we were told in Matthew's gospel that if you have an abundance of clothing for example and somebody needs your clothing give it to them James says be a doer of the word not just a hearer of the word, if somebody comes to you, and needs something, and you are able to provide that something, then you should provide it, put others first, this is primitive biblical Christianity, and yet for the most part Paul is dealing with the immature babes in Christ, and yet they are willing to learn, they want to hear what he has to say, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Six, he was in the form of God. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In John 10, the Jews are stoning the Lord, or they are attempting to stone him. And he says to them, why do you stone me? And they say to him, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. That's why they killed him. They killed him for blasphemy, because he was a man born among them, and he claimed to be the son of God, which meant he was claiming equality with God the Father. If he's not God, this is an horrendous crime. This is blasphemy with a capital B. And yet, because he is God, he is the second member of the Trinity, he thought it wasn't robbery. He emptied himself also. Incredible. Even becoming obedient unto death. Just picture this for one moment, if you will. God has always existed, and he will always exist. God is all powerful and he will always be all powerful. At a moment in time, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit decided to create the earth. And they made the earth to give to the Son. Revelation chapter 4 says everything was done for the glory of Christ. So the Father and the Spirit create the universe and they eventually create man and all of this creation is given to the Son and yet the Son gives it back to the Father and also to the Holy Spirit now we can't understand that but we are told to believe that God is eternal he has always existed he has never needed anyone apart from himself and yet he chose to create mankind he chose to enter the human race he chose a young girl Mary who was no younger than 12 and no older than 15 and he chose that girl to give birth to himself she fell pregnant through the Holy Spirit there was no sexual intercourse of course she was a young child she gives birth to the Lord of the Universe and once the Lord of the Universe is born she goes up to the temple with Joseph and they offer a sacrifice unto the Lord it's a sacrifice of thanksgiving it's also a sacrifice because she is a sinner hence why she says i rejoice in god my savior by the time we get to acts chapter one she mary is listed in 13th place her role has ceased the lord hangs on the cross and he says to john behold thy mother john takes mary and quite possibly her other children and he looks after her john goes off on his travels mary may have gone with him she may have stayed at home in ephesus we can't be dogmatic but nonetheless john goes off on his travels and eventually mary dies but here he thought it wasn't robbery to be equal with god god became a man He humbled himself, he despised the shame, he lived among people. He lived in Israel during the first century. A very difficult place, a very troublesome place to live at that time. They were living under Roman occupation, there was great poverty, disease was everywhere, and yet he chose that group of people living in that period of time to be among them that's his prerogative some people say why didn't he come in the 20th century some people say why hasn't he come in the 21st century i believe this that he will come back in the 21st century i believe we are living in the last days i believe revelation when it speaks about the two witnesses and they are put to death and the whole world see this the whole world rejoice the whole world start to buy presents and then they are resurrected and the whole world see their resurrection how can this happen? how could this happen 100 years ago? it couldn't how could the world see what was happening 200 years ago 300 years ago even 75 years ago how could the world see this happen? they couldn't But they can today because we have satellite television, we have the internet, we have Skype, we have Viber, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have YouTube. Instant telecommunications. We can see things happen straight away. We are living in the generation that could so easily see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. the saved here and now those that are under the earth in hell they are going to confess that Christ is Lord the term Lord means God and they would do it for the glory of God the Father this is going to be mandatory incredible because from verse 9 God has given him a name which is above every name. He's put his word above his name. The written word is above his name. And yet here, this name of Jesus, not Yeshua, but Jesus, this name of Jesus is above every name. And those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth are going to confess They are going to say that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. But it is going to happen. 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Verse 13 is rarely quoted from those that hold to conditional security. They give you verse 12 but never verse 13. We've already seen from chapter 1 verse 6 that God is going to perform the work which he began in you the moment you believed. Not you, God, is going to perform it. He's going to perfect it. But here from verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Go to, please, Second Peter, Scripture with Scripture. There's no point in just reading one verse here or there. You need to go to many scriptures to understand these expressions. How can you work out your salvation? We were told from Ephesians that for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It was the gift of God. And Paul also says not of works lest anybody should boast. So how can you work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Look at Second Peter. Second uh, Peter chapter 1 look at verse 10 wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if ye do these things ye shall never fall make your calling and election sure make sure you have truly believed on the Lord Jesus Christ this is one of the main points of the new testament really you see the apostles were all jewish and the one thing which they battled time after time with was the law they didn't want the gentiles believing on the lord through faith through christ alone which is how they got saved and then turning around and going back under some kind of jewish bondage Which is what Paul speaks about in Galatians. They wanted the Gentiles. And the Jews also of course. But here Paul is writing to the Gentiles. They wanted the Gentiles. To stay in Christ. To remain faithful. Unto death. To trust him. Not to go back. Not to put themselves under some kind of bondage. To keep feast days. And to circumcise their sons. So on so forth. No they came through faith in christ alone and they are to remain resting in him so when it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling simply means to make sure that you have truly believed on him to make your calling and election sure and peter also says back in verse 11 for so an entrance Shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Second Peter, one eleven. So make your calling and election sure. Make sure you know who you have believed on. Make sure you have come to Him completely, trusting in Him. And Hebrews seven says He is able to save you to the uttermost. So scripture with scripture. And we understand that God works all things for his own glory. He brings all things to pass in his own timing. But he and he alone takes ownership. He takes responsibility of your salvation. And John ten twenty nine speaks about the sheep being safe in the shepherd's hand. And not only does a shepherd have you in his hand, but the father also has you in his hand. Double security. The moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are safe and you are sealed until the day of redemption. Ephesians chapter 4. Back to Philippians 2 verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless and harmless the sons of god without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world holding forth the word of life that i may rejoice in the day of christ that i have not run in vain neither labored in vain once again this is in reference to the judgment seat you are to shine you are to put your light out there so the world can see it and here once again Paul is gently pushing nourishing and encouraging the saints he calls them beloved from 12 he's pushing them to continue on so that he hasn't run in vain he wants to get as many save men and women to the judgment seat to receive as many rewards as they possibly can 17 yea and if i be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith i joy and rejoice with you all this epistle must contain the word rejoice more than any other epistle paul went through many trials and tribulations in his life and yet for the most part He was rejoicing, and he was always, always content. And to be content is the key to the Christian's happiness. To be content is the key to everything. That is not easy. It's not easy to be content if you have a sick child. It's not easy to be content... If you have a dying mother or father which isn't saved. It's not easy to be content when you've just lost your job. It's not easy to be content when you are in the process of losing your home. Because you've lost your job. Because you are in ill health. Because your family have turned against you. You could live in an Islamic country and be born again. And experience all of these things it's not easy to be content but it is possible to be filled with that inner peace that joy but to truly experience that permanent peace and joy really only comes when you walk in the spirit and you read the word of God daily if you don't walk with the Lord if you don't read the word of God daily you aren't going to have this inner peace and you are going to backslide and you will become like one of the many disgruntled backslidden Christians that I meet on my travels. They are still saved for the most part but they are disgruntled, they are bitter and to meet a bitter Christian isn't something that you would want to experience very often but here Paul, once again, wants you to push on. He wants you to be successful and victorious. 18. For the same cause also do ye joy, and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Timothy was like a son. Unto Paul. And here. He's called Timotheus. There's nobody like Timothy. Paul was a great man. But yet here he is. Applauding Timothy. Who was weak. Who was ashamed. Of the Lord. Who suffered ailments. Quite possibly because of his. Immaturity. Because of his carnality. And yet. Timothy is beloved and also it wasn't Paul's hands that were able to heal Timothy but it was the Lord it's good as I say to have Paul as a role model there aren't many role models today to follow and yet here Paul is happy and content to offer Timothy as another role model to follow and in many ways we can relate to timothy timothy is like peter peter i believe was the weakest of the apostles hence why the lord gave peter so much of his time to build him up and timothy is very similar to peter the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and timothy according to church history would be martyred for his faith in the lord jesus christ 21 for all seek their own not the things which are jesus christ's but ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father he hath served with me in the gospel him therefore i hope to send presently so soon as i shall see how it will go with me as i say timothy is a wonderful saved man quite possibly in his late twenties to early thirties, and he's saying that, like a son, he has served me faithfully in the gospel. What a wonderful commendation from the apostle Paul. It's similar language to what we find from the Lord Jesus Christ. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Every saved man and woman, longs for those words well done thou good and faithful servant the worst thing that a saved man and woman will ever experience is arriving at the judgment seat and not hearing those words Spurgeon said quite wisely that if you are happy to go to heaven on your own be sure of this that you are not going to heaven meaning if you are a saved man or woman And you are content to go through life doing your own thing. And rarely, if ever, sharing the gospel with unsaved people, the chances are you aren't saved to begin with. And I agree with that totally. But uh, like I say, Timothy is being applauded here by the Apostle Paul. Marvellous. 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you ephroditus my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye have heard that he had been sick for indeed he was sick nigh unto death but god had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Another beloved brother, fellow soldier, companion, this man was sick, nearly unto death, but God and God alone had mercy on him. Even at this point in Paul's ministry, his associates are becoming sick, and Paul can't heal them. He couldn't heal Timothy. And here he can't heal aphrodite So God intervenes and does so to spare Paul sorrow upon sorrow from 27. Please let me say this before I conclude the last couple of verses here. That although I don't believe that there are ministries today or ministers that can lay hands on sick people and heal sick people or raise the dead. I do believe and have always believed that God can and still does heal people of all sorts of ailments, and I've seen this. I know of different people that have come to the Lord. I knew of one chap who was dying, and his doctors had given up on him, and yet he came. To the Lord he got saved and was healed. And as of making this video he is in his 80s. So I have seen it. I know that it happens. But I don't believe in these ministries that claim to be able to lay hands on sick people and raise them up. I don't believe it. And I never have believed it. But here Paul again is rejoicing in the fact that God came through for him. Sometimes the Lord will come through for you. Sometimes he will heal a sick party. Other times he won't heal a sick party. I also know of many good saved men and women. That are struggling with all sorts of ailments. And yet they are saved. They are doing great things for the Lord. In spite of their ailments. And Paul was content. He was victorious through his illnesses because he says while i am weak i am strong i am able to do great things for the lord sometimes we have to be weak and lowly and even sick in order to be used by the lord 28 i sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again ye may rejoice and that i may be the less sorrowful that word again rejoice rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice not always easy but it's expected nonetheless 29 receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation give him respect he's an elder he's a co-worker because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death Not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. This man put his neck on the line, this man worked himself almost into the ground for the sake of the brethren. It goes back to verse three. Don't lord yourselves over one another, humble yourselves. And this great man here, Ephroditus, is on his way to the Philippians he's beloved and Paul is once again applauding him and honoring him and you can do that you can give respect to people you can even boast of people to some extent and at the same time not be guilty of favoritism so there we are once again 30 verses complete chapter 2 30 verses from chapter 1 30 verses from chapter 2 and this is really a tremendous epistle a very short epistle and yet we've seen the deity of christ from chapter 2 we've seen from chapter 1 that all things work out together for god's glory which is also found of course in romans 8 and you aren't to be fearful you aren't to be terrified by your adversaries And we also saw from chapter 1 that you can be directly with the Lord the moment you die. The moment you depart, you go straight to be with the Lord. No purgatory. So, two chapters. And uh, next up, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. But for you it is safe. Rejoice in the Lord. This epistle is loaded with rejoicing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise him. Worship him. Adore him. Thank him every day for saving you. Give God the glory. Verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of of the concision normally the term dog would be in reference to a non-jew but here paul as a jew writing to the gentiles is going to use this in reference to those that have willfully rejected the gospel and these people won't bend the knee from chapter 2 verse 10 and confess him as lord from verse 11 so they are dogs they are enemies of god they are outside of the lord's church 3 for we are the circumcision which worship god in the spirit and rejoice in christ jesus and have no confidence in the flesh meaning our works won't save us we need his righteousness his sinlessness given to us we put on the Lord Jesus Christ we trust in him because our flesh cannot save us and this circumcision isn't a literal circumcision this is a spiritual circumcision which took place the moment you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for though I might also have confidence in the flesh if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh i more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of israel of the tribe of benjamin and hebrew of the hebrews as touching the law a pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless If anybody was going to be a boaster, Paul would win hands down. A Pharisee of the Pharisees, born into the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And yet, just a few verses later, he says it's all worthless, totally worthless. Religion, keep it. Organised religion, forget it. He wanted a personal revelation of the Lord, and he got it. He wanted Christ's righteousness, and he got it. And he wanted to know the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he initially received when he believed, but of course he wouldn't ultimately understand it and receive it until he got his glorified body, which comes way after sanctification 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ? Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, Verses 8 to 11 should be read and re-read by all those that are in organized religion. And especially those that have a position of authority in organized religion. Because here Paul, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, even born into the tribe of Benjamin. And yet he says in verse 8, it's dung, it's dross, it's rubbish. It doesn't benefit me in any way as far as the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned. That's quite a statement to make. That would be the equivalent, I suppose, of a cardinal, a so-called prince of the church, quote-unquote, saying, I'm going to leave everything behind. I'm going to resign from the priesthood. I'm going to move out of my palace. I'm going to get rid of the chauffeur-driven car. I'm going to get rid of all of these trappings all of these positions that I enjoy invites to embassies around the world having the phone numbers of presidents and prime ministers and members of the royal family it's all done that's the equivalent to what Paul is saying now I'm not saying that Paul was in the highest of highest circles but he had a position of respect people looked up to him and he said you know what this is all worthless it means nothing but I want to win Christ I want to be known by him and I want to partake of his sufferings I want to be identified as one of his people that's true humility that's a complete rejection of organized religion and a firm belief in christ alone in order to be saved 12 not as though i had already attained either were already perfect but i follow after if that i may apprehend for that which also i am apprehended of christ jesus please turn to romans chapter 7 scripture with scripture romans 7 look at verse 14 For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Present tenses. Here Paul is a saved man. He's been saved 25, 30 years. And here he is explaining the battle of the two natures. He wants to do good, but every time he tries to do good, he does evil the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak now saying that let me say this you can't go to these verses and argue that it's okay to be a perpetual carnal Christian it's not Paul was a holy righteous God-fearing man he battled the flesh like every saved man and woman does on a regular basis but he also experienced great joy and power and victory in the spirit when he walked with the lord so here yes you can battle the two natures and it can happen on an hour by hour basis even a minute by minute basis if necessary but my main feeling from verse 12 from chapter 3 he hadn't yet attained perfection and he won't do and you won't do and i won't do here he is speaking about glorification he's still living in the flesh he's saved he's been born again roman 6 he's told us that he was buried with christ and raised with christ but here he is lamenting as it were he hasn't yet attained perfection and you haven't and i haven't and nobody listening to this recording anywhere in the world if they are born again have yet attained to perfection it will come when you get your new body in the rapture but here and now Romans 7 is applicable to you is applicable to me and it was applicable to Paul 13 brethren I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind And reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't look back, look forward. Don't live in the past, live in the present. And keep pushing on, verse 14, to get the high prize, the calling that he wants you to receive. Again, it goes back to the judgment seat. You're already saved. You were saved the moment you believed on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But here Paul wants you to push forward, reach forward, lay hold on eternal life and be a partaker of the high calling. 15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded. God shall reveal even this unto you. Perfect here. Not meaning sinless. But meaning complete. To be complete. Puts you back into Christ. Chapter 1. Verse 1. You are in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.10. You are complete in him. You don't need to join organized religion. You don't need to become a member of a cult or going to the occult or going into this system or into that system you were complete and you are complete the moment you believed on him 16 nevertheless where to we have already attained let us walk by the same rule let us mind the same thing complete as I say in the sense of being in him being safe in him and here this already attaining perfection in christ yes that's fine you were justified then you were sanctified set apart but now you are waiting glorification so you can't get sinless perfection from any of these verses but what you do get from these verses is a saved man who loves the lord who rejoices in the lord and yet still battles the old man the two natures of the believer a very much neglected subject in so many areas of biblical Christianity very unfortunate 17 brethren be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example mark them look out for those that preach another gospel Galatians 1 told us that if somebody preaches another gospel they are cursed Damned eternally to hell Markham em, Watchem Ephesians five told you to expose those that walk in darkness eighteen for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, a severe condemnation and warning not only would paul have the judaizers in mind those good people quote unquote, that would come along and try and get believing gentiles and weak jews back under the law but he would also have the gnostics in mind too but here these people are called the enemies of the cross of christ and in reality they are simply trying to undermine The finished work of the Lord as He hung on the cross. When He said, It is finished, He meant what He said, and He said what He meant. It is finished, it is completed. And these people come along, and they are enemies of the glorious cross, which for the church is victorious, it's a sweet smelling savour, but to the enemies of the Lord, It is an affront and the word of God says that the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those that are perishing. Watch out for these people. They are enemies of the cross. If you are a Bible believing Christian, your number one enemy isn't going to be somebody from another faith. It's not going to be somebody from an agnostic or an atheist perspective it's going to be somebody who claims to be a bible believing christian your number one enemy is going to come from within hence why you are told to study to show yourself approved unto god mark them and if you don't mark these people if you don't use your discernment to spot them they will come and they will devour you and they will rip you to shreds hence why it is paramount to keep your eyes peeled to be in the book and put on the full armor of god 19 whose end is destruction whose god is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things this kind of feeds back really to uh, chapter one verses 15 and 16 really some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife. Again, that can have a reference to a say party who is temporarily out of fellowship with the Lord. But by the time we get to chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, I believe you're dealing with the tares. You're dealing with the goats. And these people are found in Matthew 7, when the Lord says to them, I never knew you, depart from me again these are people which have an outward righteousness they are seen by the world as being very reverential very holy but Paul also said that they appear as angels of light so you need to be very very careful just because you have a favourite YouTuber or a favorite televangelist or radio preacher it doesn't mean anything you need to check what they say in light of scripture because these people are heading to destruction 19 and if they are going to be destroyed and you are a disciple of those people then you too are also going to be destroyed 20 for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior the lord jesus christ who shall change our vile body that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself we look for the savior we look for the christ not the antichrist our conversation our home our abode is in heaven we look for him the true christ the messiah christ jesus we don't look for the antichrist and when he comes he's going to change our vile body this again is what glorification means we get a new body at the rapture and then we will have attained to perfection we would have known what it meant to be a true disciple of the lord we would have been able to identify ourselves totally with him at that time and we will be perfect sinless totally blameless and without blemish but that won't happen until the rapture so positionally here and now we are exonerated in the eyes of the lord the moment we believed and that means our positional standing in the eyes of god makes us sinless but our practical standing can fluctuate Hence why we need to be in fellowship with the Lord. And when we sin, when we fail, when we stumble, we quickly confess our sins. And he, God, is faithful and just to cleanse us of all of our sin and bring us back into fellowship with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown... So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Stand firm, stand fast, rejoice that the Saviour has set you free. Here Paul is pleading with his beloved brethren to rejoice. Don't put yourself back under any kind of bondage like the Galatians did. And on the other hand, don't use your liberty for a license to sin much like the corinthians did two I beseech Eurodius and beseech Syncathy that they be of the same mind in the Lord here two saved people are sighted and yet just because two people are saved doesn't mean they will always be of the same mind as I've already said, from John 17, the Lord prayed that the apostles would be one, and through their oneness, the world would see the love of the Saviour. They became one in the Lord through the baptism, through their new births. First Corinthians 12 told us that a saved man or woman is only baptized once, the moment they believe, and ephesians chapter 4 also echoes that truth paul and barnabas were two saved men and yet they had a division which was so sharp that they had to separate so don't be surprised if you are a new christian and you look around and see all this division among you for the most part it's immaturity but it's not unheard of there is scripture to show us that just because people are saved doesn't mean they will agree on every single point and yes sometimes like paul and barnabas you have to separate but always leave the door slightly open so that reconciliation can also be sought three and i entreat thee also true yoke fellow help those women which labored with me in the gospel with clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life these women were not female apostles they were associates they were helpers with the apostle paul and of course they got saved like paul got saved and the moment they got saved their names went into the book of life For rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice some king james editions have the term always plural others have the term always singular but uh, i want to say this that yes you are to rejoice in the lord always and again you are to rejoice but saying that let me say this please go to ecclesiastes scripture with scripture look at ecclesiastes please chapter 3 verse 1 to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted a time to kill and a time to heal and a time to cast away a time to rend and a time to sow a time to keep silence and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate a time of war and a time of peace please use your common sense when you come to verses like this yes you rejoice in the Lord like I've said on the commentary over the previous couple of chapters but again, sometimes it is normal to mourn and weep. The apostles mourned the death of the Lord. And after three days he came up out of the tomb and they rejoiced. Yes, you should rejoice in the Lord. Yes, you should be happy in the Lord. Yes, you should be content. But that comes with time. That comes with with maturity rejoicing in the Lord thanking him that you are saved absolutely it's an ongoing part of every saved man and woman's life but like I've already said earlier it's not easy to do if you've just lost a loved one if you've just lost your job if a member of your family has become estranged from you if you live in an islamic country or in any culture which is hostile towards the things of god it's difficult to rejoice openly internally yes of course there is a peace which only the children of god experience but again there is a time for everything so scripture with scripture and let's not get uh too carried away with verse 4, like we are expected to walk around with a big cheesy grin on our face all of the time. That's not what Paul is saying here. 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Don't go around showing off your wealth or your success in life. There was a well known preacher who thought nothing. Of driving around in his red Ferrari. Again it's foolishness. What sort of testimony are you going to have to the world. If you're driving around in a red Ferrari. It's nonsense. Be moderate. Have a simplistic life. Six. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Don't worry, don't fret. Stop being anxious. If The birds of the air are looked after. Won't the Lord look after you too? Of course he will. Seven, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And when you do so, you will be anxious for nothing from verse 6 and because you are anxious for nothing you will be moderate and all men will know that you are moderate they will know that you are a godly faithful disciple of the Lord and as a result of that you have the peace of God which passes all understanding it's foreign to the unsaved man or woman in the street 8. finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things that is paramount think on things which are true honest just pure lovely good and praiseworthy and if you do those things back to verse seven you have the peace of God which passes all understanding these verses really should annihilate anxiety from the man or woman that knows the Lord but again you have to walk in the spirit you have to read the word of god and you have to be out and about your father's business for these things to become relevant to you nine those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the god of peace shall be with you paul was examined like nobody else has ever been examined. All of the eyes of the world were on him. The Jews, for the most part, anathematized him. The Gentiles that believed the gospel adored him. He wrote half of the New Testament. Paul is one of the most famous men that ever lived, and yet he is also maligned like few others have been why because he was handpicked by the Lord Jesus Christ for a special mission he received a special anointing he was able to say in 13 that he could do all things through Christ which strengthened him now saying that please let me say this that what we don't want to do is look at Paul and think that because he attained A B and C it's impossible for us to attain d e and f that's not how it should be he was chosen for a unique ministry and he fulfilled it but he also showed that it is possible to achieve great things for the lord if you are sold out to him so we can learn a lot from this man but again we have to be careful that we don't Compare ourselves to him, as it were. He was a special man chosen by the Lord for a special ministry among a special people during a special time. And he had these sign gifts. He was able to do miracles. We can't do those miracles today. We can't raise the dead. We can't give sight to the blind. And we are not expected to pen. 13 or if you want to give him hebrews 14 epistles that's not our mandate but we follow him and we watch how he lived and we try and pattern our lives on what he did but again common sense must be applied here 10 but i rejoiced in the lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again wherein you were also careful but ye lacked opportunity not that i speak in respect of want for i have learned in whatsoever state i am therewith to be content once again that comes with time it's not easy to be content it's not easy to always rejoice in the lord but it is possible hence why paul told you to always rejoice in the lord to be content it comes with time it comes with maturity and i'm pretty much of the opinion that this didn't happen overnight for paul it happened over a period of time no doubt after many trials and tribulations and after the lord had molded him into the man of God that he wanted him to be. 12. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And he did do all things, He spoke with tongues more than anybody did. He healed more people than anybody did. He wrote more books of the New Testament than anybody did. So he achieved great heights. And you can too if you walk faithfully with the Lord. But don't expect to achieve what Paul achieved. As I say, Paul was a one-off. He was a unique man for a unique period in history fourteen notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction now ye philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when i departed from macedonia no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Incredible. Even though he was down, even though he was struggling, even though he was literally living hand to mouth, he wanted to see their fruit he wanted to see their growth selflessness with a capital s paul in so many ways reflects the lord jesus christ of course the lord was sinless and paul still had his sin nature which i showed you from the third chapter and romans 7 and here he desired to see their fruit that it would grow And that he would be a partaker of their blessings. Amazing. 18. But I have all and abound. I am full having received of Ephoditeus the things which were sent from you. An odour of a sweet smell. A sacrifice acceptable well pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by christ jesus it starts with your salvation he which hath begun a good thing will perform it until the day of jesus christ it then goes into the peace of god from verse 7 which comes once you meditate on the things from heaven not from the things of the earth It then feeds into being content, right up to the Lord, giving you his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Not necessarily financial wealth. Money in and of itself isn't sinful. To have money isn't sinful. But if you worship the money, if you love the money, that is what is sinful and again if you walk in the spirit if you are in submission to god and if you meditate on the things of god you will be able to say i can do all things through christ which strengtheneth me and you will receive his riches and glory from christ jesus it's a step-by-step approach it doesn't happen overnight and the reality is that most christians will fall and stumble get up fall and stumble get up fall and stumble and very few will reach anywhere near what Paul reached but that's fine we're not all called to do what Paul did we weren't all called to do what Solomon did by building the temple even David a type of Christ wasn't called to build the temple but Solomon his son was 20 now unto God and our father Be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Saints once again means anyone that has been saved. And here some Have even come from Caesar's household. The gospel started with the Jews and it went to the Gentiles. And by here, chapter 4, verse 22, even those in Caesar's own household were saved. Incredible. That's the power of the gospel. It's not down to the messenger, it's the message which saves the recipient but our job as bible believing christians is to get the gospel out as i've said repeatedly picture yourself as a postman and you are expected to go from house to house delivering letters whether the recipients of those letters open them or not is immaterial our job is to get the post delivered and we do that through bible tracts street preaching sometimes, banner signs, teaching videos, posting articles, there's many different ways to get the word of God out but the main thing is to be out and about your father's business.